1: And welcome back to this segment. My name is Buddy Shula. Glad to have you listening today, and glad to have Gene Harris with us, who is with PB Elder Law. PB Elder Law is really the only law firm in Buffalo that devotes themselves one hundred percent. Every stitch of it is devoted to a a industry practice called elder law. And we'll get into that a little more, uh, write down the number. We'll repeat it a few times at 204-1055, 204-1055 for PB elder law. They're on Cayuga in Chictiwaga right by the airport. And you can always call them and make an appointment with them because they are great, um, great counselors, great advocates, great advisors, For elder law so i'm gonna welcome first gene to this segment how are you gene i'm doing really well buddy how are you good good and the reason you know we 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 like talking to pb elder law and there's a reason for it and that reason is because i i think it's one of those types of practices and and laws that people really may not understand how it can benefit them but there's such a huge benefit from elder law. And since PB elder law is really, you know, one of, what if not all the only firm, you know, a hundred percent elder law, it's very important. So I'm going to just start by asking you what if, if someone has never heard elder law, what should they be thinking when they hear it?
2: So thanks, uh, thanks again for having me, Buddy. And um, you know, as you're talking, it sort of strikes me that there's lots of different areas of law that people are familiar with, right? There's TV shows that focus on criminal law and the criminal justice system, And um, there's billboards that focus on car accidents and dog bites and all that kind of stuff. And we are a law firm that really is primarily focused on maybe a little bit less sensational topic of elder law, which is basically taking care of our older loved ones and ourselves through the aging process. So making sure that our wishes with respect to end of life wishes are taken care of, making sure that people are in place to make decisions for us, whether it be with respect to our financial decisions or health care decisions, and preserving assets so that if we need long-term care, either in a facility or at home, there's money to take care of, of that payment, making sure that we remain comfortable. And all of those things really sort of encompass and are under the umbrella of elder law and uh, elder law planning. So at what
1: age should someone be thinking about Elder Law and what PB Elder Law primarily does. Who are the people that come to you?
2: So most of the time we're being contacted by, There's, I, I would say that there's two main groups of folks. There's the group of folks that are concerned for themselves. These are folks that usually are nearing retirement uh, or have having children and sort of in the, in the middle of life, right? And then there are folks who are calling us because they're concerned about their parents or grandparents who are aging. With that said, any person who is over the age of 18 years old should have some documents in place related to estate planning, which they themselves do fall under the heading of elder law, but are really necessary for anyone who is no longer a minor. These documents, just for example, would be a durable general power of attorney and a living will health care proxy. So once you become 18 years old, you are the only person who is responsible for yourself and your folks are no longer able to make decisions for you, even if maybe they should be making decisions for you. So imagine a child. Uh, attains the age of 18, goes off to college, and somebody needs to take care of some banking for that child. Well, without a power of attorney, there isn't anyone with the legal authority to have that ability to take care of those financial decisions. And the same is true for medical determinations. So in certain respects, elder law encompasses things that any person should have, even if they're over 18. But certainly, as the name implies, these things become a little bit more important and a little more pressing the older we get. So by certainly by midlife or then retirement age and beyond are the folks who I would say it's really important to get in and make sure that there is an elder law plan in place for the pro- Preservation of their assets, and more importantly, the preservation of their dignity, making sure that we have people around to make health care or financial decisions for them.
1: So, you brought up a good point and you put that into two segments. So, there are, you know, there are, well, really three if you count people over 18 who should have these basic documents like a will, a health care proxy, power of attorney, stuff like that. Um, but then there comes an age where you said that's probably around 50 to 55 um, that they're using, that they need an elder law firm like yours to do different things for them. And you were talking about having an elder care plan. So what are some of the most important elements of an elder care plan?
2: So the, the, the three basic components of the elder law plan would be the power of attorney, which again, makes. sure. Sure, someone has the ability to make legal business or financial decisions for you, take care of your banking, that sort of thing. The living will healthcare proxy, which appoints a person with the authority to make healthcare decisions for you, but also provides them with some instruction. For example, in mine, it says that I don't wanna be kept alive by artificial means if there is no reasonable chance of my recovery to a decent quality of life. So that's right there in my living will and tells my healthcare agent that this is what I want them to do. Now, there's also, of course, a last will and testament, which I think everyone essentially knows what that is. I'm not certain that everyone realizes when that actually comes into play. So a last will and testament is the document, of course, that provides for the distribution of assets upon a person's death. What I'm not sure most people realize is that the will only applies to assets that are in your sole name at the time of your death that don't have a joint owner or a beneficiary. So if you have a retirement account, for example, or a piece of real property, and that retirement account has a beneficiary, that account's going to go to whoever the beneficiary is, regardless of what your will says. If that piece of real property has two joint owners on it, when the first person passes away, that property, in most cases, becomes the property of the surviving uh, owner. So a will wouldn't even apply. The will, however, can cover not just the distribution of assets the way you want them to, but also the appointment of a fiduciary or like a guardian for a minor child, for example, um, a trustee for a disabled beneficiary. It can have assets going in very specific ways for long periods of time, depending on what the family circumstance and need is. So those are the three basics. Beyond that, we start getting into the use of trusts, whether trusts are revocable trusts to avoid probate, irrevocable trusts to prevent for the disposition of assets um, to the county or to the state, as what most people say before Medicaid becomes available for the payment of long term care so there 's lots of other different things again, just depending on a family 's individual need
1: so so we 're here with Gene Harris from PB Elder Law. A lot of things, a lot of the things you do is protect assets that people have worked all their life for so they don't lose those assets. Because I think everybody's under the assumption that once you turn a certain age or once you go to a nursing home or whatever you're doing, that all bets are off. You keep nothing. And that's not the case with a proper elder law attorney.
2: No, it's absolutely not the case. I mean, so one of our goals, certainly, and one of the goals, I mean, I mean so listen, so I've never had a, a, a client come into my office and say, Jean, I can't wait to get into a nursing home. I, I'm just, I can't wait to go. I'm really looking forward to that. I've never had somebody come in and say, I would like to die penniless and I don't want my kids to have anything. These are just things that are kind of universal truths are we all want to make sure that we can stay home. We all want to be able to preserve some of our assets and not be wasteful of them. Now, having said that, I am and I think my clients are more concerned with how they are doing and their lives as they're living them. And the quality of their lives, then I am worried about what happens to their stuff after they've died, right? So I'm always having this conversation with my clients. It's sort of like, eat the lobster. Now is the time to order the steak. Now is the time to buy those earrings that you like. This is the moment, Do you know, yeah. <laughs> live your life and enjoy it. But if it comes down to where that's not the choice, that's not the choice between a legacy to your kids and lobster, but really it's, am I going to forfeit everything I've worked my whole life for in order to get some halfway decent quality of care? Then if I can do something to make sure that we can preserve those assets and make sure that that good quality of care is achieved for my clients, then that's where I come in. It is not necessary. And it's a shame, frankly, to have someone have to spend all of their assets either on their care directly to a facility or in some other what I would consider wasteful way before they receive good quality care and Medicaid to pay for it. It's just not necessary. And you know, with the right plan, we can save 100%. But even if a plan hasn't been developed, we can usually save Somewhere around sixty percent or more, and that's in the kind of worst case scenario
1: when 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 people come to you when clients come to you for uh, these things like saving their assets uh, to get quality care or something like that, are they aware that you could do so much to help them save these things they've worked for?
2: No almost always no um so and that that I think is a shame and and it's one of the reasons why I like to do. Uh, to do, to talk so much, not just to hear myself and not just because it's lovely to come on your show, but I like to get the word out there because I really want people to know. I can't tell you how many times somebody has come to my office, sat down and told me, well, I'm in really good shape because I already spent all my money. So now I'm going to get Medicaid and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I could have saved all of that for you. Oh my gosh, what a waste. And often that's because they've been seeking advice from the wrong source and they've been putting their sort of faith and trust in the wrong source. Uh maybe that uh, almost frankly almost always that is because they have relied on somebody who is not an elder law attorney who's re- and they've received some advice and they didn't know any better. So they had this sort of false sense of information and what the potential was and what the possibilities were and they listened to the advice that they were getting and I wish I so many times I wish, man! I wish they would have just come to me first. I could have changed this whole system for them.
1: I mean, because you deal with scenarios where you help people who have, who have assets, whether it be a home, whether it be cash, whether it be anything. You you have helped them get the best of both worlds, really, keeping their assets and and you know good medical care. Correct.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my goal. So I don't want to um take everything out of a person's name so that now they're stuck with the bottom of the barrel care. I would never do that. I want that for myself. I don't want that for my family. And I, I certainly don't want for my clients, right? But what I do want to do is make sure that we can get the best possible care. And if there's money we can preserve while still doing that, then that's the goal. That's the goal of my clients when I talk to them. And more often than not, that is the goal of their families. I mean I think many people are saying hey listen I'm comfortable if we have to spend a certain amount of mom or dad's or grandma's money on their care as long as it results in a higher quality of care. We all understand that goal. But there comes a point where more money doesn't mean more care. So if or better care. So if we get to that point then we can preserve whatever isn't going directly for the benefit of the family. That's what we want to do.
1: It's a, it's a very interesting part of, um, it's a very interesting industry, this uh, elder law. And, you know, you, you kind of confirm my feelings that uh, a lot of people don't know what this really means and how important it really is. So Gene Harris from PB elder law. Again, the number is 204-1055. It's 204-1055. I personally work with PB elder law myself, uh, nothing but consummate professionals And uh, like Gene was saying, doing the right thing for you. These are things you don't know that you really should. 204-1055 for a uh, consultation with P.B. Elder Law. And if you'd like to uh, go see them, they're right on Cayuga in Chictawaga, right around the uh, corner from the airport. And you won't find a a better firm to deal with these kind of matters. So, Gene, thank you, as always, for being on the uh, segment today. We appreciate it.
2: My pleasure, buddy. Thank you.